0: We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: Open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. We're going to wrap up our study from the book of Ruth today the idea of being redeemed by a faithful God. I've enjoyed this study. Uh, it's in my Bible, like I said, somebody told me, uh, the joke was that, uh, we we've been going for like, this is the sixth lesson, I think. So six weeks on a. Uh, on a book that's only two pages. I told her, I said, wait till we get to the book of Romans. I said, we'll be there a year and a half. Um, But it has been good to kind of stop and pause and take a story that we could read very quickly and really kind of dig into it and just get to know the book in a little more intimate way and really seeing God work through this particular story in the life of Ruth. It comes in a a very interesting time uh, in in Israelites' history and in just history in general. As you look at the people of Israel, Israel, uh, you're stuck in between Judges and First Samuel, which was a very trying time. The Book of Judges for the people of Israel—they're with God, they're not with God, they're with God, they're not with God. All of that's kind of going on on the front end, and as you get to the back end of what we're going to read today, you hear a mention of King David, um, and, and that kind of the re- kind of frames where we're going or, or who has already been born. You know, really, uh, in uh, by the end of the, by the time this story is written down. And so you're, you're seeing a, a, a big kind of swatch of Israelite history, but also during this time historically. You're, you're looking at the Bronze Age, um, but there was also just kind of some tragic events during the Bronze Age that a lot of societies uh, suffered, a lot of societies just kind of disappeared. We're finding evidence of those societies even still to this day, but it was a very trying time in our history. And in that backdrop of just a trying time of kind of a human historical perspective a trying time in a spiritual perspective for the people of God we see this amazing story of a redeeming and faithful God and it, to me it tells me that no matter what's going on around that's really what we're going to get to at the end of this lesson is no matter what's going on around us one thing that we can be sure of and that is God is working amen God is working and so we're going to see some of that through this particular passage today so let's pick up, starting in verse 13. starting in verse 13 of chapter 4, and I'll read from my Bible, Nathan, if you will follow along with us up there uh, through the end of this particular reading. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, "'Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian-redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel.'" He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than uh, seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took a child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of uh, Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of Ruth, I'm sorry, of David. The father of David. Now, here's here's just think with me for just a second. And, and I, I was reading this, and I didn't put anything in my notes about it, but as I'm thinking about the story and reading this, this genealogy, it is so powerful to me, the people that are in this genealogy. If you flip in your Bibles to the book of Matthew in chapter 1, you've got the genealogy of Jesus. This genealogy is obviously present. In that particular section, um, but it's fleshed out a little bit more. Boaz, well, let me just let me just flip through it. And if you've got your Bibles flipped to it as well, it's not on our screen. Um, um, Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. Who was Rahab? The harlot. And then Boaz's wife was Ruth. Think about the women in Boaz's life. The women, his mother, his wife, the two most important women in his life are people, are ladies, are women who lived a life before outside of the presence of God who lived as as foreigners, who lived as sinful, who lived as just not having really any connection to God in any really powerful and meaningful way. But their lives intersected with people who loved God, trusted God, believed in God, and it changed their life. It blessed their life, and their life then blessed Everyone else, including you and I, Rahab, the harlot, her life blesses me and blesses you even today because she's in the lineage of who? Jesus, Ruth, the Moabite, the foreigner, the widow, all of the names that are given to her through this book. She blesses us today because she is in the lineage of Jesus. And, and that really is kind of the idea that I want us to speak on and talk about for just a few moments. How do I live a life that is blessed by God? How do I live a life that is blessed by God? I don't think anybody wants to live a sad, dreary, just A bad life. I mean, I know there's people that do, and there's people that it seems that they're attracted to that sometimes, but I think at the end of the day, if you ask somebody, do you want to live a happy life or a sad life, everybody's going to want to live a what? They're going to want to live a happy life. doesn't mean they're going to, but that's what they would want. If I would say, do you want to be blessed by God or not blessed by God? More than likely, you want to be what? Blessed by God. So the question is, how do I live a life that is blessed by God. And that is the center of this story to me. Naomi has come full circle in this story. Has, you, you go back to chapter 1. You go back to six or seven weeks ago. It's been seven weeks, I think, since we started this. And that first chapter, the first section of Scripture in that story, they leave the promised land. They leave the struggles. They leave the punishment. They run from the punishment of God. And they go to somewhere where they think their life's going to be better, which is away from God in their minds. And what happens? She loses everything. She loses everything. Although I do love the phrase at the end, they said that um, the women say that that God has given you a daughter-in-law. Who's better than seven sons? Any mothers in here love their daughter-in-laws more than the sons that they married? You're glad that the (laughs) daughter-in-law... That's just because your daughter-in-law is sitting behind you this morning, Right? I'm like, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm looking at that story and I'm like, thanks guys. You know, like we really built us up there. But you know, I mean, she's just blessed at the end of the story. But the beginning of the story, I mean, I mean, she even comes back home and what does she say? Call me what? Not joy, but call me bitter. But Her story has come full circle back to where she's in a place where she's being blessed by God. She's living a life that is blessed by God. But then I think it goes deeper. I think the question goes deeper than just how do I live a life that is blessed by God? And I have to take the next step and go, how do I live a life that is blessed by God and then I am able to bless others? Then I am able to bless others because you look, at our, you look at what they say here. You look at what they say here in verse 14. The woman said to Naomi, this is their prayer, right? This is their prayer. Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. May he be a God that blesses everybody. May he be a God that's known for being this guardian redeemer. May his life bless everyone else. And that's exactly what his life did. His life, like we said, his life blesses you and I even today in this moment. So how do I live a life How do I live a life that I begin putting the pieces together that not only do I live a blessed life in God, but God then turns around and uses me to be a blessing to this generation and then maybe build a foundation that someone else takes that blessing and lives in another generation and another generation and another generation. How do we live that type of life? Well, I believe one place to start and to think is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is just kind of a jumping spot, jumping board into the rest of the lesson. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, um, but test them all hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. So to me, the first thing we have to make sure we do, if I want to live a life that is blessed by God, I have to live a godly life. I have to come into this relationship with Jesus, right? I have to be a child of God. I have to be a Christian. I have to have my sins washed away in baptism. I have to have that relationship with God, right? i got to start walking in the light. And then once I get there, there's a certain lifestyle that I am then called to. I have volunteered for it. I said, I'm going to do it. I say, God... I want your blessings, and in a return for those blessings, I'm going to live the way that you ask me to live. So you live your life that direction. As you live your life that direction, God begins to bless you, and blessings are really kind of like compound interest. That one blessing just grows when the next blessing comes, and then it grows when the next blessing comes, and it grows when the next... And you know, we think about that a lot with negative things. We, we really understand compound negatives in our life, because... Boy, when it feels like when we're down, we're down. And it feels like it just piles on top of us. But blessings are the same way, just on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm up here, I'm living my life the way I'm supposed to, and God blesses me. And I keep living in it, and God blesses me some more. And I keep living in it, and God blesses me some more. You see these people who just live these wonderful, great, spirit-filled lives. It's because they are living in the compound blessing part of their life. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm not saying you're not going to have challenges. I'm not saying you're not going to have struggles and moments of difficulty and even negative things in your life. But your focus needs to stay on God. It needs to stay living this way. And then even in those moments, God's going to bless you through them. So how do I do that? From the book of Ruth in particular, how do we live this life of blessing? I believe we li- live the key words that we've talked about the last few weeks. Three words that we've talked about over and over. The first that we'll touch on is grace. Grace. Being, really, if you just kind of narrow it down into, into maybe words that are easy for us, is being kind to someone even when they don't deserve the kindness. Being kind to someone even when they don't deserve the kindness. Now that's a very simplistic definition of grace, but I believe it's a very foundation level. That grace and kindness is when we show love to someone when, man, it's, it's hard to. When it's hard to. We, we, don't, we don't get really blessed by loving the lovable right? I mean, we do, but it's, it's not like a stretch. It's not like it takes faith to love someone that loves you back and gives you. The faith is shown, the grace is shown when you love someone that really challenges you. Someone that rubs you the wrong way every time you talk. Someone that you want to go left and they, they'd say, no, we're going right. And you just, this relationship just headbutts over and over and over and over again. How do we live that? Well, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, Paul writes this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, does he qualify when and who burdens to carry? He just says each other's. He doesn't say carry the people's burdens who have been nice to you. He doesn't say carry each other's burdens when it's easy for you. He just says carry each other's burdens. Whether you're up, whether you're down, whether it's good, whether it's great, you make it a part of your life to be a grace-filled person that when you see someone struggling, even if you're struggling yourself, you try to figure out a way to help that person carry that load, to carry those struggles, to carry that burden, live in grace. And what does he say when we do that? We fulfill the what? The law of Christ. We fulfill it. We live it to its fullness, another thing that I thought about is from first Corinthians thirteen the passage of love, where it starts with love is patient, love is kind, it is not envy, and I can't help but think because love is just an expression of grace that this is a great place to go and think of it this way. Grace is patient, grace is kind, it does not envy, grace does not boast, it is not proud grace does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It keeps no records of wrong. See, we, it's because love is just an outpour of grace. Okay? It finds its foundation. It finds its purpose in grace. So we can go to this passage and go, okay, am I living a life of grace towards other people? And if you can check the majority of these things off, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect in them. We're not going to be. But if I can say I'm doing a pretty good job with most of them and I'm trying on the rest of them, you can go, okay, I'm doing my best to live in grace with other people who are around me. So we live a life of grace. The next thing is we live a life of redemption. We live a redeemed life. We we talked about uh, through a couple of lessons for this particular context that the idea of redeeming is paying a price To make something whole, that was last week, but even beyond that, we talked about how living in a redeemed relationship means that my relationship with you is too important for it not to be right. It's too important for it not to be right. So, as far as it depends on me, I'm gonna do everything I can to live at peace with you. And we all have to work at our relationships, we all have to work at our relationships. And I believe this is really seen here in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Because maybe you've never heard the connection like this, but but this really touched me this week as I was thinking and praying and, and trying to put some thoughts together. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. What's the next line here? For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I got to thinking about that phrase this week. For they do not know what they are doing. Now, I think if you asked the majority of the mob that stayed together, I don't think all of the mobs stayed together on top of the Mount of Olives. We talked about this in our Wednesday night class a few weeks ago. And I can't help but think that when Jesus... When Jesus started healing people on top of the mountain, making ears grow back, some people probably stepped back and went, wait, what what, what are we doing? I just can't help but think that some of that happened. That's just Matthew. But the core of the Sanhedrin, those that found every way in the world to eventually get him on the cross, if you were to sit them down in that moment and go, hey, do you know what you're doing? You know what I think they would say? absolutely i know what i'm doing yeah we know what we're doing and we know why we're doing you know why they they they're convincing themselves that this guy is blasphemous that jesus is claiming to be god and he's not what are they really doing they're going hey this guy's threatening what we've created he's threatening our power he's threatening our authority he's threatening our livelihood people are following him and they're not following us they knew exactly what they were doing in their minds They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what their purpose was, their man made purpose. They knew what their man made purpose was. They knew how they were going to get it to, you know unfold and they knew what they wanted the end result to be. So to a sense, they knew what they were wanting to do. But Jesus looks at them and goes, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. See, I think what Jesus is saying is, number one, they really don't realize that I'm the Son of God. They don't realize that they're killing me. And then take it a step deeper. They don't realize that they're actually in trying to harm me, they're fulfilling what I came to do. They're helping me do what I need to do. You know what that tells me? It tells me that a lot of times in life, as we deal in relationships with people, we're guilty of dealing and living in the surface relationship, the surface emotions, the surface understanding. I'm I'm just worried about what's on top. I'm worried about the status quo. I'm worried about what I get out of it. I'm worried about the surface and not the depth. Because what I think he's saying here is forgive them because they don't understand the depth of what's going on in this moment. And so when I'm dealing with someone in a relationship that doesn't understand the depth and complexity of our relationship or the thing that we may be arguing about, I have to be patient. I have to be willing to forgive and understand that there's times in my life where I live on the surface and I need grace And I need people to redeem me and fight for my relationship with them and vice versa. I'm going to deal with you at times and you're going to be on the surface. And I'm going to have to be patient with you. And I'm going to have to fight for our relationship and forgive in our relationship because our relationship is too important to not be right. All of them are too important to not be right. We have to walk in that life to receive the blessings of God. And then finally, the third thing, And this is what our year has been about. It's to live a life of faith. Live a life of faith. You look at our story. From the very beginning, God is there. God is there. God's still in the promised land. Even though He's punishing His people through a famine, He's still in the promised land. And when... When Naomi and her family leave, God's still there. You know how I know God's still there? Because one day, her son shows up, and he's got this pretty little girl on his arm named Ruth, and he goes, hey, Mom and Dad, I've met somebody. I've met somebody. Who would have ever known at that moment, other than God, that Ruth was going to be the redeeming factor of their whole life from there forward. She was going to be the person that re-centered it, that brought it back to where it needed to be. She was going to be the key player that gets everything back on track. She's going to be the most important person in their family. The first time he ever brings her home. God was working. When her and both of her daughter-in-laws are leaving to go back to the promised land, she says, hey look, You don't have to go. And Ruth says, hey, your people are my people. Where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Where you die, I die. Your God's going to be my God. Let's go. God's working. Then they get back home and Ruth goes, hey, somebody's got to go make a living. Someone's got to take care of us. So she goes and she ends up in Boaz's field. And guess what? God is working. Boaz shows up. He starts greeting everybody in the name of God. God is working. Through this whole story, God is working. But why does God work? through the whole story, because people keep moving. Because people keep moving. If I'm going to live a life of faith, I have to trust that God's plan is already in motion in my life. And God is working in my life to bring all things to good. Right? I have to trust that. I have to know that that God is working. But, if I'm not moving, if I'm not moving, I'm stalling out the plan. There are times in our life we have to sit down and catch our breath. Okay, there there, there are. But it's not in a way of, all right, God, well, if you're doing it, show me. Mm -mm. These people just kept moving. They kept acting. They get a blessing and it encourages them to move a little bit further. And they get a blessing and it encourages them to move a little bit further. And that's how faith works. As I move and God blesses and it encourages me to move more. And God blesses, and it encourages me to move more, and God blesses. But I don't receive blessings when I just stop. What does James say? He says, show me your faith by your what? By your works, by your action, by moving. And so for me to live a life that is blessed by God, it has to be a life that is defined by faith, and that faith is defined by the things that I do and that shows everybody else that i'm living a life of faith. And it shows God that i trust him. God, i don't understand, but i'm going to keep going. It feels like everything's falling apart, but i'm going to keep going. I'm not sure what's next, God. I can't see past this storm, but i'm going to keep going because God is working. God is working. Let me ask you. Do you feel do you feel like you're living a redeemed life from a faithful god do you feel blessed this morning i hope you do if you don't maybe some soul searching needs to be done but maybe you need to look and sit down with 1st Thessalonians with this story with James and faith and you need to just kind of reassess where you are because what i know is that god can take us as a church and bless generation after generation after generation, based on our willingness today to live a redeemed life by a faithful God. We are several, several, several hundreds of generations removed from the book of Ruth, from the story of Ruth, yet we are still being blessed this very moment by her actions. And wouldn't it be wonderful if on the day of judgment we turn around And God says, look how your life blessed generations. It can. And it will. If you make him the most important thing in your life, and everybody that comes in contact with you, you do everything to make him the most important part of their life. If we live that life, if we live that life, we will will be a blessing to everyone and everywhere we go. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the chance to be with you and in your presence this morning. We thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the classes that have been taught this morning. We thank you for our teachers, God. We thank you for the great weekend that we've had of just moments to be together and worship you and glorify you and, and grow. We just pray, God, that we keep we keep you as our just our center point, our focus in everything that we do. Because we want to be blessed and we want to bless others, God. So help us be those type of people and bless us in that way, God. God, my prayer today is for those who are not part of your kingdom. I pray for those who need to have their sins washed away, who need to commit to you for the first time, offer their life to you, sacrifice their life to you so that they can live in a redeemed relationship with you, God. I pray for them this morning. And I pray that you convict them and give them the understanding of what they need to do to be right with you and live that life. God, I pray for those who have maybe made that commitment and are struggling, that maybe the weight of their struggles are getting them down, God. Just let us wrap our arms around them and give them the strength, give them your strength to overcome. Bless us, God, in all that we do. In your Son's name we pray.
0: Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever-blessing, ever-blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.